Radio. G'day everyone and welcome back to what is yet another episode of the Zane Red and White podcast. If you've listened to my podcast previously, as I like to say, thank you and welcome back. And if this is your first time here, welcome. And what do we do here? We talk all things Swannies. Unfortunately, again, on the back of another loss. Another loss that has many of us up in arms. Everyone knows I'm a pretty positive bloke. And it hurts to see us lose like that again. Not through lack of effort, I must say. A lot of people are saying that it's the lack of effort, they're not trying. But a lot of these things that are very glaringly at the moment, problems, have been problems previously also such as not playing four quarters. If you remember last year, we had a lot of problems, especially early doors, not playing four quarters, not starting the games well, uh, having been dominated in tap-outs and centre clearances. But we had the desperados down back that could stand firm and withhold those onslaughts and we could launch going back the other way. This is not the case this time. Our forward line is not having the ball being moved with speed and skill from the back line with the likes of Blakey, who now is having to be more of a defender rather than an attacking defender. And he's doing a great job at it, I must say. For a bloke that only been playing defence for a couple of years, to have this responsibility thrown onto him, he's doing great. And it's only going to hold him in great stead going forward. Okay, into it. About the game. Right here. If I'm being honest, I missed the first quarter. Don't hold it against me. Um, in case you don't know, I have two young kids. And... If anyone has kids, they know how much time they take. And I had running around and doing things, getting ready for Mother's Day, and I was mowing lawns and this, that, the other, and time got away from me. So I quickly ran inside, chucked on the game, and I was like, Whee! We're up! This is looking good. Quickly got on Twitter. What have I missed? Let me know. Got flooded. Mills. Oh! Of all players, Mills. When you say of all players, there's not a lot of players left. We're going down like bloody nine pins here. Yes, the reports became coming in thick and fast that Mills had gone down with reportedly a calf. Some people saying possibly an Achilles. Oh, I prayed it wasn't Achilles after all the problems he'd had previously with Achilles. And I've still seen him in times taking off the boot and having ice applied and over the time, not this year, but last year. And then to hear that, it's like, oh, don't be Achilles. Don't be Achilles. Calf's still not great. He's going to be gone for possibly six to eight weeks. But if that had been the Achilles again, it could have been like season over. It could have been affecting him. If it's affecting him now, it could have been affecting him God knows how much more. So I'll take a calf. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, I'll... That sucks, but we're in front at least. That's something I can't wait to go back and watch the highlights, I thought to myself. So I sat down, getting ready for the uh, second quarter, and had a quick flick of the stats. 
And I was like, hang on, we're up three goals, one today, one goal, one. And they're leading the forward 50 entries, 16 to seven. What's going on here? They could have been well in front. And three of their 15 kicks inside 50 were only retained by a teammate one time. And they didn't even take a mark inside 50. So I don't know if that was them or if that was us. I didn't see it. I haven't gone back and watched it. But that was just interesting. And then the second quarter started. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then what do you know? Logan goes down. It's like, oh, come on. This cannot keep on happening. The man, he's our one last in form, especially in form, tall forward. This was his year. He was coming on leaps and bounds with the responsibility, finding his feet, finding his confidence, finding his form. <sighs> and I was like, oh, it's an ankle. Can't be that bad. Eight weeks. Oh, my God. Does this ever end? And then it comes out after the game that Sheether, who'd finally got through all his injury concerns, and I was surprised that he was even playing because he hyperextended his knee last week and they came out with, uh, they said it was bone bruising. And now in Horses Presser today, he's saying he's got stress fractures in his foot again. And apparently that means, well, I haven't heard if it's all year, but it was all year last year. Hopefully it's precautionary. That's all I can hope for for the kid. He's battled so hard and he's a battler. He'll be back, just like Logan. The character of this kid to come off the back of being dropped for the grand final and now being in a team where everyone was injured all pre-season pretty much as far as the tall forwards. So writing was on the wall that a lot of this was going to fall to him. And he stood up. Has he stood up or what? And he was looking so good in tandem with um, Joel. So hopefully at the back end of the year we can see that tandem start to work again because that was exciting when those two were up and going. So as I say, yeah, second quarter, I started to think I was the jinx. We're up three goals, one to one goal one. And then in the first 10 minutes, they got three goals from their first five inside 50s. So hang on, didn't they just have 16 to seven forward 50 entries and only kicked a goal? It didn't even take a mark. And now I'm sitting here and it's just going bang, bang, bang. And they took all the the ball as well. Like we led the contested possession 43 to 37 in the first quarter, but halfway through the second quarter, it was 11 to 23 their way. And a stat that I saw after the fact of our first three, oh, sorry, three of our four goals at that stage of the game were all from general play. And, all of their five were from set shots. So to me, that was an indication of that's very much us at the moment. We're not getting set shot goals. When we're getting set shots, we're missing, which kind of hurts that stat. But a lot of it is like through so much hard work. It's not through polish where if they got five from set, all of their five were from set shots. To me, it's an indication of that's more of a team goal. That's more polish. That's moving forward with intent and cohesion and chemistry and all of that. That's a team working well as one. 
where we are not. We are fighting, but we're not in cohesion. A perfect example is Papley looking for options, dodging, weaving, ends up getting caught holding the ball and remonstrates with someone because they didn't like lead or move in the way that he thought they should have or he wanted them to. There's been a lot of that, especially in the back line where fingers are getting pointed, um, dirty looks are being shot at people and shoulders getting dropped and looking around and it's all a bit um, not happy families at the moment, which is understandable. Everyone just wants to do their best. But, yeah, I've seen some cracks as far as the the team chemistry is where that was our strong suit, especially on the back of all those times, the COVID hubs. The the bonds were formed and it was, that was our strength that they were all as one and you could see that. But now the young guys, maybe this is a big challenge for them on they came off the back of playing in a grand final and everything's just falling down around them. And this could either make or break them. This is where you're going to see guys that will be leaders of the club step up into that void that's been left by the late likes of Rampy and now Mills. And you've already seen it. Like I think maybe Parker had those quieter games early doors because he was just so busy. You saw that if you saw that footage on Fox where he was mic'd up and he was just directing traffic everywhere as he was playing the game, maybe that took away from his game in those games where he was a bit quieter because there was so much um, anarchy almost out there and he was like trying to direct people even more so than usual. And as far as young leaders goes, it's being spoken wildly it's it's Errol. He's such a leader. Like I've said it from very long time out about you can hear it in just the way he talks when he does presses. There was even an after game interview with somebody else and he was in the background having this conversation with Don Pike and he was running through something like a game situation. You could see by the way he was positioning himself with Pike and gesturing with his hands and so forth and Pike would explain something and go to walk away, and they're all stopping and go on about something else and talk more, 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 and you could see Don Pike taking it all in and stopping and then going back and back and forth, back and forth. And to have that hunger and that intelligence to be able to have a conversation and engage a footy brain such as Don Pike to that extent. And at the end of all, you could Don see Don Pike like smile from ear to ear like this kid and just put a hand on his shoulders it was a moment I wish I had a recorded it but anyways all throughout even this year you're seeing little things such as when Joel did his hamstring and he was on the bench it was Errol that got over to him and so many times you see it where just a timely arm around a bloke or revving another bloke up for doing something really well this is captaincy material in the making so yeah as I say it's even at half time when everything started to look like it was going down the gurgler you see them all come together and you could see Buddy marshalling the troops and that's the seniority that's what's been missed and he 
got him around him and he was talking to him. And then they came out in that, I think it was the third quarter, and he played on, which he does a lot, and it annoys me to no end. Directly in front, and he waits till they're kind of not looking and plays on his snaps. And he does it all the time, so it was no surprise that he tried it again. I haven't gone back and watched it. He has remonstrated. I don't know if someone was in the protective zone or whatnot, but if you just go back and you just kick that, you just eliminate that happening. There's no, there's no nothing. So if, oh, could you imagine that he's marshaled the troops going into halftime and he comes out and kicks the first one and we're up and going. That could bring the momentum back our way instead of where it went. Ugh, frustrating, frustrating, i tell you what. But a perfect example of um, young heads maybe getting overruled was those back-to-back goals off the back of back-to-back 50-metre penalties towards the end of the second. And was that frustration through they could feel that they were getting on top of us. They were winning the clearances 12-14 to 14, and the, the centre bounces 7-1. to one. But that wasn't reflective on the scoreboard as yet as they hadn't even scored. There was no scores from any of these clearances. And as I say... I am a positive individual. I try to be. And with injury comes opportunity. And I have been calling for horse to go get his bolt cutters from the shed and cut those chains from Rowie because we've needed that inside beast. And I still believe he is that inside beast. And he's been playing more of a defensive role, which is highlighted by the fact that he's on a streak where in his last 20 matches, he's had at least four tackles a game. And it is the uh, the most. Yeah, it's the longest streak for anyone to have at least four tackles in a game. And in that first half, he'd had no tackles, which made me think, okay, now that Mills is out the baton's been passed to him to try and be that guy. And in that first half, he had four clearances and four score involvements. And he went on to have, I think it was like 24 possessions. But of those possessions, he also had, I think it was a game-high nine clearances and seven score involvements. So hopefully they can keep on playing him in that attacking role because he can still bring the defensive side of it, which he did. He still, the streak continues. I'm happy to inform you. He ended up having the five tackles for the game. So the streak continues. But as I was saying in regards to this year having same problems as what we had in previous years, such as our fluctuation in not playing out four quarters or our pressure on the pressure gauge as an indication of I guess maybe our intent or our pressure that's being brought, it fluctuates also. Such as in the first quarter, we were 192 versus 186 on the pressure gauge. And as I always like to say, anywhere around two is considered elite pressure. But in that second quarter, we dropped down to 170 versus their 191. And whenever we have those drops, that's when teams get back on top. We let them back into the game. And that's something that can be fixed, I believe. 
but the most damning stat at halftime was we only had 15 inside 50s, which was the second lowest halftime tally for the year. Our inside 50 delivery in general has been a concern with the bombing of it and especially allowing them to take intercept marks and being buddy-centric and so forth. But if you're only getting 15 inside 50s for a half a footy, I don't know. I'd almost take a bit of bombing. And yet again, their centre clearance dominance continued. But what also continued was the fact that they weren't getting any goals from these centre clearances. Of all 10 centre clearances that they had for the half, they only got one point from this source. I don't know if this was by luck or by us standing firm down back, which undermanned is almost an understatement. It was great to see Francis show what I believe the reason why we recruited him was as a backman. He trained all preseason as a backman. And then through all the injuries that we had, he was required to play up forward in the VFL. Just because, like on the weekend, I think Horst mentioned something about we didn't have anyone over 185 centimetres in our forward line on the weekend because of these injuries. And then when he came into the team, it was on the back of more injuries. And he went forward because Mills was playing down back, which worked against Richmond, but we won't go over all that again. But he really showed that he's much more comfortable down back. They targeted him a fair bit, I feel, with the lack of height and maybe inexperience. And I think he had about three one-on-one contests and lost two of them. But that's not the story of what I took away from it. It was the fact that he had 10 intercept possessions, six spoils, six spoils, excuse me, um, seven one-percenters, and eight contested contested possessions, which is a very strong outing from a guy who has not played a lot of footy of late, especially down back. And it's down back that we're so under height, undersized, which is so hard when you come up against teams like this who have height galore and gets been smashed in the in the in the ruck. Oh, what you do for a ruckman at the moment. There was a lot of hope, I guess, because we're like clinging at any hope. The fact that Hickey was back in and the fact that Hickey had been such a resurgence, such a character in our own resurgence last year. But as Horse alluded to, in again in one of his presses, that he probably came back a bit early, which was more to do with he's got the experience and with Laddams being out, it was really a choice between him and Stretch McAndrews. And you can't drop Stretch McAndrews into his first game ever against those two behemoths. But the thing with Hickey, I, I did notice, I know he was, he was rusty last few weeks and couldn't expect too much and all of that, and he was always going to get dominated. But one of his strengths over the journey has been his own ability to generate a clearance. A lot of the time will just be by somehow getting his hands on the ball, possibly clear out of the air, and then with the big snap forward, 
but it's still a clearance. He averaged like four clearances a game last year. Sometimes, obviously, because it averages out, but sometimes he would be our number one clearance man, and he had none. And I was like, ah, oh, none. So I don't know if that was because he is rusty, because he's short of a run, just because of the dominance of the other guys. But yeah, it made me pause to have none when you normally average four. Average four over the year. As I say, it made me pause. But yeah, those big guys, they really started to hurt us. Like, Giant Miss was in control. I think he went off injured in the end, which was a blessing in disguise for us. Not that it mattered at the end of the day, and you never wish an injury on anybody. But yeah, in that third quarter, Jackson had went on, I think he took his third contested mark for the game, to, uh, and he got a goal off the back of it. And he's not even known as a contested marker. Like The guy's played 60 games in his career, and he's only taken three contested marks two times in those 60 games. So that that tells a story. But yeah, coming out of that halftime, I reckon... It was either a horse spray, a horse rev up, or maybe it was someone internal. Maybe the boys gathered around and they're like, okay, what the hell is going on here? It's it's happening again. We need to lift. And they came out, mate. They lifted all right. That pressure gauge was up to 232. I've never seen the pressure gauge that high. And we got our first two goals off the back of turnovers. And as I always say, that's our DNA, is the pressure. And with that pressure comes goals. But we haven't had that continued pressure where it's just one man in, another man in, another man in, another man in, another man in for all four quarters. You have to buy in. You have to have your teammates back you got to know that your teammates got your back. That way you're not second-guessing. But that's where there is second-guessing more so, I'm finding, when it comes to, especially in the defensive 50, of when to fly, when to stay down. Because these guys don't know these roles. As I was saying, it's it so much has fallen to these new guys down back. you got Blakey, who, like I say, he's standing so tall considering that he's not a key defender. Uh, last year, he took 38 intercept marks. All right, this is for an example of where we're getting confused with the ball coming in in that contested possession, uh, like the ball being driven in from like possibly a hack kick, which happens a lot. A lot of these clearances that other teams get against us aren't clean, but they're getting so effective because... We're missing the likes of Paddy McCartan and Tom McCartan, who were our top two intercept markers last year. Between them, there was 121 intercept marks. Paddy was 71, Tom was 50. Take that away from a team. Then take away your other fullback, Captain Rampy. Insert... Uh, Rebounding backman as your key position defender in Blakey. Another guy who has played this week was the first time he'd been named in the 22 in Gould. And Aaron Francis, 
who'd played a bit of sub, a bit of forward. And that was our back line. That's, that's your tools down back. You're asking for trouble. But what do you do? You play the hand that you dealt. So it was on them. They had to do something about it, and they tried. As I say, coming out in that third quarter, Rowie, for example, who I'd mentioned earlier had no tackles in that first half, which I thought was more to do with him being more C-ball, get-ball generated. Ah, uh, not generated. Orientated. He went from having no tackles to having five tackles in the first eight minutes of that third quarter. And as a team, we laid 12 to three tackles in that first eight minutes compared to where we only had 30 tackles in the entire first half. And someone else who really lifted was Errol. Like, this third quarter was one for the ages. But it was on the back of his second quarter where he only had three touches. And those of those three touches, they were uncontested possessions as well. So it switched. He switched. He was on. He had a record career-high 15 disposals for the quarter, getting 311 metres gained, four clearances, five score involvements, two goals, one behind, and what else? For the game, I think he went on to have eight clearances and five tackles. But the thing that I noticed going through the stats and so forth, trying to get a handle, because that's two great games he's had in a row. I think last week was his career high in possessions, and then he beat it this week. And he was extremely damaging last week. But on his um, heat map last week, a lot of the ball was on the defensive wing. He still had those five inside 50s, but he, I think he played a lot. He must have played wing last week because he had zero centre bounce attend, ah, centre bounce attendances. Where this week, he had 15 centre bounce clear. Ah, oh my God, I cannot talk tonight. I'm all over the shop. I'm like one of these guys. Come on, get it together. This week, he had 15 centre bounce attendances with the eight clearances and the five tackles. And on his heat map, a lot more of his possessions were around the centre square. It was on the wing, but a lot of it was more centre rather than back. There was still plenty down through the back flanks, but there was also a lot more in the forward flanks. And this week he had seven inside 50s. So I really like this balance this week where, because he's so creative with his clearances, he uses the ball so well. That's the guy you want his ball in his hand in those damaging places of the ground he can still generate his own clearances he's a great tackler but he's still got the tank to be able to run and get to these open positions and up and down the ground and find space and make his opponent like worry about him they're gonna have to start really worrying about him and that's where hopefully guys like water can get off the chain he's played a lot better again so these are two guys, well, really three guys, Warner, Errol, and Rowie. They are the future of our midfield, and they're going to get a good look at it for a big chunk of this season. So that's something I'm really excited to see. But unfortunately, the damning stats continued.
towards the end of that third quarter, we only had two marks inside our 50 and four centre bounce clearances. Both of those figures are the equal second lowest third quarter tallies in both of those statistical, I guess if you want to call it, yeah, um, subheadings. Yeah, so two marks inside 50 is the second lowest tally in all of 2023 in any match, and four centre bounce clearances is also the second lowest stat in that tally for any match in all of 2023. It's crazy to think that we can be so up and about, but yet be so down and out at the same time. And it was just pure fight that was keeping us in it. Like it was epitomised by Heaney's goal late. A goal that had me up and out of my seat. And it was so great to see. And there's been some reports coming out because on the back of, again, I do love a horse presser as I keep referring to them, obviously. I think it's because he is, I think he's so honest, majoritively of the time in them and gives us insights, such as he's talked about players that are playing under duress, such as what is being reported around the circles that Heaney has been struggling with a hip injury. And you wouldn't know because not last year in his All-Australian year, but the year before, Horse mentioned again the number of injuries throughout the year that Heaney played through. And he's renowned for being able to still perform at a pretty decent level, dealing with injuries that most guys wouldn't even play with. Which leads me to believe that the rumours of his hip problems very well could be true. And that leads me to my another point about we do not know what is going on with these guys. So for them to have down patches, I don't understand why people come for their heads, such as the media did for Buddy after this game. Because it was the first time in 10 years or some crap that he's been goalless in two games in a row. Well, that's more of a reflection on what a bloody brilliant footballer he's been throughout the journey rather than what stage he's at now. And as I say, you don't know what's going on. Horses come out and said he's been crooked throughout the week and he's surprised he even got up and played. Papley's been down at the moment. Is it on the back of that injury he had a couple of weeks ago? Is he playing injured as well? Guys can turn things around, such as Parker did this year already. And it takes me back to last year when everyone was coming for Lloyd and Rampy. And those two guys went on to be probably in our top five players for the year last year, in a year where we made a grand final. And Lloyd has continued that form again. Funny you don't hear anyone praising him though. People love coming for certain blokes' heads, but they don't like giving them a pat on the back and it drives me crazy. And the other thing that drives me crazy is for some reason, whoever the director is for Fox Footy or Channel 7, they don't want to give nothing to the Swans. Like that Heaney goal, that was by far the best goal of the game. One of the best goals I've seen in quite a while. 
Was there a replay? It wasn't like they didn't have time. It was right on bloody three-quarter time. They went to shots of showing him flexing him. Look, we've seen Heaney flex. We know he's got muscles. Show us the goal. So often something happens where it's like, what What was that free kick for against us? Or how come there was no free kick there? No replay. No replay for the Swannies. Drives me crazy. But speaking of Paps, in the start of the last, he got his first goal and the momentum kept on going our way and I started to believe once again, oh, this is becoming a trend. But speaking of Paps and speaking of streaks, as I was previously about Rowie's streak of 20 games in a row with four or more tackles, while Paps kicked that one, it was the 21st straight game where he's kicked at least one goal. And he's only second to Kerno, who has done it for 29 games. So I like these little things. So I'll be watching to make sure that Paps kicks another one next week and the week after that and the week after that. And Rowie lays another. What did I say? Four tackles? Yeah, another at least four tackles for the week next week and the week after that and the week after that and so on and so forth. Yeah, I like them. But just as I was starting to get hope again, Frio snuffed that out. And it was only appropriate that they snuffed it out with two goals from two set shots. And once again, a team was crazy good from set shots. Nine goals, two. Come on. Can you guys, like, start missing, hit a couple of posts or something? I'm not asking for much. Come on now. But that last quarter, it's like their hearts got broken. They tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And you've got to think, this is on the back of who knows of what state of mind they've been at. So much, It's been snowballing. You come off the back of that grand final loss. You go into a preseason. All righty. Every single tall forward is injured. And then you start the season and more players got injured and more players got injured and more players got injured. Then you played Geelong. You get smashed. Flashbacks, hello, anyone? And then guess what happened? More players got injured. And then you come into this game and straight away, your captain, your best player, gets injured. And in the next quarter, your best forward, you guessed it, gets injured. So, as I say, their mind state, I just don't know how they're even doing this to keep on fighting the way they keep fighting. Even though it's inconsistent, they still get up and fight again, go again. But then they got broken, as I say, in that last quarter. I don't know if they ran out of legs again, which is understandable to a point because look at the season that they've had these are young guys and you're a man down two man down other guys can't even go full tilt if they're injured muddy sick so on and so forth but yeah it was an annihilation in that last quarter again it was 41 to 29 disposals nine to one tackles we only had one successful tackle from seven attempts If you've listened to my podcast previously, you would have heard me talk about our inability to stick tackles. 
we've had games where we've been really good, but we've had a lot of games where we've been really bad. And I found a stat. We go at 62.5% successful at completing our tackle attempts, which is third last for the competition. I'll try and say that a little bit better. We are third last in the competition at completing our tackle attempts. When we are being dominated in centre clearances, a lot of it comes back to that. When we can't trap the ball inside 50, a lot of it comes back to that. To highlight that, again, we were dominated in the inside 50 tackle count. 9 to 19. And of those 9, Heaney had had 4 of them. A lot of it is our entries aren't being brought to ground. A lot of it is possibly through Papley being injured. It's just cohesion. It's just a cohesion thing. And through us delivering the ball better inside 50 and contesting the ball better when it does come inside 50, it creates those opportunities. But everything's just going awry at the moment. It's going to take a lot to turn it around. But we can only watch and hope. With these situations comes opportunities. Gould had been very close last year to finally getting his opportunity. But, hey, we went on the run. And that's the thing you've got to remember too. The run that we went on last year was on the back of having a ridiculous amount of no injuries and the ridiculous amounts of weeks in a row of no changes. And that plays a huge part in building cohesion. We're all over the shop at the moment. Players just playing here, there, everywhere. And you can't take that for granted. Yes, there's a lot of problems that have always been there, but they've been masked because of our strengths. And I won't say on an unmentionable podcast because I love these guys, the True Bloods, the number one fan podcast in your hearts, on the charts, all of that. As they say, our best football is the best. But that's the thing. We had to be at our best to beat the top blokes. They are so good, they don't have to be at their best to beat a lot of the competition. It Our problem has been our gap between our best and our worst, but also our middle has been pretty low. We have to find something that works in that middle ground when we are not at our best. Our best is bloody fantastic. A lot of things have to be addressed. And this is going to be interesting times as far as which way we will go, where we just start blooding guys left, right and centre, which we're almost doing anyway, to be honest. When you look at it, from the grand final last year, we're missing Rampy, T-Mac, Paddy Mac, Sam Reed. Other than last week, Tom Hickey. Now Mills is gone. And when you're talking depth, now you've got 
Logan's gone. Amadi's been gone. Wix has only just come back. Maligan's only just come back. The rest of the guys are in the team, pretty much. Stevens played really good in the VFL again. I really hope that they give him a go in the centre. I know that he's got that running ability to be able to play wing, and he really worked on that defensive side, and that helped the team last year so much because he played that role for the team, which allowed the other things to work well. But he was drafted as a outside midfielder who showed potential as an inside midfielder. So they drafted him because they believed that he could be a balanced midfielder that could play inside and out. And a pet hate of mine is when guys go back to the VFL like he has, they get played out of the position that they will play when they come back into the team. If they want him playing wing, when he goes back to the VFL, play him wing, tell him what he needs to work on and let him work on it. Don't put him in the guts. If you want to play him in the guts, play him in the guts. Now's the time. Bring him in. Let him have a crack. Sheldrick tore it up again. And this is another one. Brought him in. Didn't give him a crack in the guts. He's a guts player. Same as when Robottom first came in. They tried him up forward. No good. Put him in the middle. See him excel. Sheldrick, Stevens. If they come in, they got to get time in the middle. Other guys that could possibly be on the peripherals. Stretch McAndrews. Don't know what's going on with Laddams. Uh, he's going to need some help. They've been raving about him for week on, week out. He's very green. But he can tap ruck. He can tackle. And it's just, the type, it could be the type of thing that could inject some enthusiasm back into the group playing these type of guys. Like a Rankin. But the only problem is with a Rankin is he plays a role that's being played anyway. So unless they want to really throw the magnets around and put him in and O-Flow goes somewhere else for say, that could possibly happen. Um, hopefully Mills, not Mills, Heaney's coming out the other side of this supposed hip injury and we might see him play up around the ball more. And if that was the case, you could bring in someone such as Hugo Hall-Khan or Double HK as I like to call him. He's an electric X-Factor type player. I wouldn't mind liking seeing him get a few games under his belt. Uh, down back, you've got Malikin now. He can come back. But I don't want to see uh, Francis get chucked back up forward just to fill a hole. I really don't. I want to see him get blooded and get games in down back. The same as Gould. Like, they're in. Just let him work at it. Let him work at it. These other, like, they've said Tom McCarter's not going to be back this week. So let them do their thing. They, I thought they both looked pretty good. And they hopefully can only get better. Because at the moment, I saw a thing, 11 of our top 16 tallest players have either missed all of or some of our first 10 games. And that is the story of our season, unfortunately. The tall timber, the spine, the back line, the forward line, the ruck department. It hurts. But now we have 
the mid-season draft coming up, and that could be something we could address again, is that need for a tall. We did it in through getting Stretch McAndrew. He was a project player. There's someone I've seen a few articles about, which I wouldn't mind getting him. Wouldn't mind getting him. He's 22. He played, I think he played two games. I think it possibly could have been for Adelaide or West Coast or someone he was drafted and didn't get a crack really. Well, didn't succeed and was eventually delisted. He's 22 now. He was a defender slash ruckman. He stands at 199 centimetres tall and weighs in at 99 kilos. He's gone forward now, which doesn't mean I would recruit him as a forward because as we've seen with Tom Mack, you can go down back and dominate. But yeah, this is an example of his application and his form. In the last, I think it's six games, he's averaged 17 disposals, 10 marks, two goals. And he recently was matched up on Will Schof- Schofield? Schofield, that used to play for West Coast. And he raved about him. He's like, this guy needs to be on a list. Like, he was a handful. So that's someone I'll be keeping my eye out on when it comes to the old uh, mid-season draft, which is coming up. Uh, who we got? We got North. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. They've got injuries. We've got injuries. We're down the bottom ladder. They're down the bottom ladder. I hope and pray to whatever footy gods are listening, give these guys a win. They need a win for their hearts, for the fans, for the players, for the club. I hope they come out and give everything, all four quarters, And we come away victorious. And hopefully the fans are out in force. Hopefully we're not being fair weather supporters on the back of playing in a grand final last year. That doesn't mean anything, honestly. Look over the the history of the club, the history of all clubs. You have ups, you have downs, and they can turn on a dime so fast. I mean... What was it 93, 1993 or whenever it was when we'd lost like 23 bloody games in a row or something ridiculous, three wooden spoons. And then a few years later, 1996, we're playing in the grand final. Things turn. Stick it out. Support your team. Support the boys. Even though it's not working, you can take enjoyment from watching these players now and it'll build a story over time of where they've been and where they get to. And I can only speak from my own personal experience. That is where I get my most enjoyment from, is seeing the journey of these players, watching them grow into the players that they become during successful times. If you're on now, don't jump off, because it will be not as fulfilling down the track when we have success and trust me we are going to have success well sign off once again thank you for listening and i'll see you on the socials cheer cheer